This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, Browns fans. Welcome to Wednesday night. It's 7 o'clock. <clears throat> I can barely speak, but I, I can speak. And uh, it is time for OBR Weekly. My name's Barry. I'm the web dork of the OBR. That guy over there is Fred. He brings the intelligence and insight to the program. Uh, my job is to sort of ask him questions, and then he tells us what's going on in Berea. And uh, we do that for an hour. And mostly what we do is we relay your questions and your comments over to Fred so that he can answer them. I bring a couple, but mine are kind of lame usually, so we really rely on your comments and questions to carry the show. So hit us up in the chat room, and we will certainly uh, <clears throat> we will certainly get into those. The more the merrier, uh, as they say. Uh, so uh, also, if you're in the YouTube chat room, do us a favor and hit that like button so that we can fool the YouTube algorithm into thinking that this is a good show so that they spread it around and more people find us. And that would be awesome if you could slam that. We would really appreciate it. And uh, with that being said, Fred, how you doing? Doing good. All right. Ready um, ready for a big show. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. I'm getting texts right now asking if there's no show. So apparently, uh, at least uh, uh, I, I'm going to answer that we're on the air now. So uh, at least hopefully I'll help one person find the show. Uh, so, uh, let's, uh, let's rock and roll. One thing I want to talk to you about, Fred, uh, is, um, what I thought was pretty remarkable, uh, about, uh, last week's game, uh, was the absolute, uh, complete absence of a running attack, um, <clears throat> on the part of the, uh, on the part of the Cleveland Browns. They ran like, uh, 18 times for 29 yards, uh, I think it was. And uh, that's just not sustainable. Now, obviously, they were missing Posick. They were missing Batonio for most of the game. Wyatt Teller was the only offensive lineman left from the beginning of the year. Just not sustainable. You know, you're not going to be able to do that in the playoffs. Um, what's the injury status of those guys in the middle of the line, Posick and Batonio? What did you find out today in Berea? Well, they didn't have practice, so we didn't get to watch. So we basically had to take their word for it. They said that they didn't have on the pre-practice report four guys they had injured. They did not have Ethan Posick on there as missing practice. Even though they didn't practice, they have to estimate. So that mm. means he was going to be a limited participant which is good news, meaning he's starting the process of getting back on the field. Um, that also was the case with Anthony Walker. So two guys that missed last week's game were back limited. Um, the, the reason when we watch practice, we as reporters actually do a checklist 
and mark mm-hmm. every guy on the roster, whether they're there or not, because whether it's inadvertent or not, the Browns PR doesn't always put everybody on the list and right. we'll find out what happened to so-and-so, you know, what, where's, and they either forgot it or they didn't count it as an injury or something like that. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, so Posick, I would think would be trending towards playing. I don't know. To me, a stinger seems like it's similar to concussion, but he's not in the concussion protocol. So I saw him walking last week. That's the only time I saw him. Um, so I have no idea. But that he started to practice would think that that would bode well. Walker said he he just tweaked his knee last week and he should be fine. So I think I think he would be ready to go this week. Um, Joe Batonio. I mean, you saw he left with a low back injury. Anybody has a back situation where you throw your back out or, you know, I get those sometimes when I don't even know what I did the day before. Right. Um, very painful. And he just couldn't play. And you know him. He's an Iron Man. He never wants to come out until he had that, you know, surgery over the bye early in the season that he missed a game. You know, he's been playing through it. So, most people watching think there's something with him, whether it's most people assumed it was still the knee, but it seems like the backs in there. Now he was listed as did not practice with a back and a knee. So all I know is uh, Cammy justice, the channel five reporter went out to Myers last night in Avon. They had a shop with a pro that, Right. Antonio does every year and he was walking around. She said, fine. And he didn't want to talk much, but he said that he's doing better, feeling better. And so, you know, I think it's just going to be a day to day thing. How's he feeling and so forth. Um, So it's hard to project. He's a guy that wouldn't need much practice. So yeah, if you could get, uh, Posick back would be a big plus. If you can get Posick and Batonio back, it'd be a major plus. As far as the running game, we've seen this trending down week after week. And I just think it's the attrition of not having, you know, Dewan Jones or Jack Conklin or mm-hmm. Jedrick Wills say what you want to say about him. Um, going back to the beginning of the year and losing Nick Chubb. I mean, Nick Chubb also was right. the human eraser. He, made up for, you know, any, any lack of blocking. So it's, it's really why you're seeing Joe Flacco throw the ball 45 times a game, I think, because they're trying to throw the ball to set up the run. Mm -hmm. You know, they can run. We've seen them run, but they've been, the bears held them down. You know, they, they've been held down several weeks in a row and Texans are like sixth in the NFL and, rushing defense as well so it could be a a pass happy game again yeah it's you know it's looking that way did Stefanski talk about that at all uh last week was he asked about why are you leaning so heavily on the uh, on the pass or anything like that no he's not going to talk that he I asked him the question Monday you know why was the running game basically so poor and why you've been trending and he said look I said, because you got to have a running game so you don't have Joe Flacco throwing it 50 times a game. And he said, we got it. We're going to do whatever we can to win, you know? 
right, and that's right. kind of obvious. But I think that's just where they are personnel-wise right now. You might have better, you know, with your tight ends and your receivers, better playmaking out in the passing game. And Flacco, he did say, he talked about Flacco's really good at the, you know, the play-action fakes, and mm -hmm. they call it a keeper. And even though he's not really mobile, today in Berea we talked to him, and he said that he really is his best when he's on the move. That might sound like an oxymoron, but I think what he means is not like, like a Deshaun Watson taking off running, more rolling out and kind of, you know, seeing the field, planting and throwing. He said that play to Cooper was that way. If he wouldn't, if everything wouldn't have been sliding, you know, it probably wouldn't have gone. So I think, I think what you have is a veteran quarterback that's seen it all and you're trying to play to his strengths. Um, you know, when we watched him with the Ravens, I would have never, you know, really called him, you know, an elite quarterback that, you know, you were going to rely on passing, but he was a game manager and he could make the throws and had the big arm as we saw time and time again. So I think they're just trying to exploit what he does best and trying to, to get into some type of groove. You know, you watch three quarters of the game and you felt like, Oh no, everything's, you know, Cinderella struck mid midnight, you know, and, right. and the glass slippers going to break and all that in the press box before the game, there was some talk saying, well, is this going to be the game Flacco comes back to earth and throws four interceptions and throughout the game, everybody was looking around at each other, at least the ones that were talking that way and saying, yeah, you're right. And then we all know what happened everything was erased in the last five or six minutes. And right. that's how it is so much in the NFL. If you would have turned it around and he would have been lights out for three quarters, provided they didn't get a major lead. And then he imploded. Everybody would be talking the opposite, but it's how you finish. And, you mm -hmm. know, and for the Browns, the way he finished was strong. He did what he needed to do. I mean, that fourth quarter, I wrote about today, he's setting records. And this is a guy that a month ago today was on his couch. He just came to the Browns on November 20th with no training camp, no off season, just kind of throwing to his kids, trying to stay in shape and the best he could. And he threw for more yards now in his first three games than any Browns quarterback has done with 939. I mean, Baker Mayfield had it until from his rookie year, and he eclipsed it by 100 yards. He has thrown more touchdowns, seven in his first three games, and that hasn't happened since Vinny Testaverde in 1994. <laughs> so that's, what, 29 years ago. Right. And, and then the 212 yards he threw in the fourth quarter, is the most by a Browns quarterback since 1978 in any yeah, quarter. Incredible. incredible. And how can you explain that? I mean, there was some big plays. I mean, the 51 yard to, to Cooper for a touchdown, 57 to Marquise Goodwin, 34 and 31 in Joku. But yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, this would be, 
a story to be written if this finishes in fairy tale fashion, that's for sure, because it's like you can throw out all the analytics you want. The Browns obviously weren't interested in him. Nobody in the NFL was interested in him, mm-hmm. you know, even with all these injuries. You know, what's what's crazy, and that's a little soapbox, is that they're, all these teams are picking up guys, and I hate to throw names out because then it disrespects them, but guys you never heard of, and you're like, are you kidding me? That's a right. guy you want? And there's a guy like like a Flacco or somebody that, you know, isn't that far removed from the game. Why wouldn't you think he'd have a better chance there? So for Browns fans, they got to be very thankful because I don't know where they'd be. You might think DTR would have been able to do as well, but that one week when he had a concussion, you know, he obviously couldn't have played. And mm-hmm. so it's – it's uh. It's really been it's really been surreal to watch this for sure. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been amazing, and I have to admit that uh, I was one of those guys in the third quarter in the uh, uh, in the uh, uh, Insider Central thread, basically going, "Okay, guys, you know this. We have passed Pete Flacco. You know this is this is it." Uh, the the he, you know as your guys in the press box were saying, he's come back down to earth. But you can't take that uh, 219 yard fourth quarter away from him. He did it, and I I think it, you know it's, at some point it has something to do with the defense, which doesn't make sense. But if you give a guy like Flacco chance after chance after chance, which he got with all the three and outs, I think there were eight different three and outs uh, pitched by the defense. You know, sooner or later he'll get in a rhythm, and he got in a rhythm. And some of those throws he was making in the fourth quarter, Fred, that throw to Cooper was just amazing. I mean, he put that in between three defenders to Cooper, and uh, I haven't seen a throw like that from a quarterback in the Cleveland Browns uniform in a long, long time. No, it's, uh, you know, it is. It's just head-scratching all the way around. And, you know, as far as that's that's the thing you get with a veteran quarterback, they're never rattled. He's got a demeanor very similar in what I've observed to Kevin Stefanski, he doesn't get rattled. He's been there. He's done that. Mm-hmm. They got Jerome Ford. You know, think about this. He's going to be 39 in less than a month. So in 2012, you know, he was like 26, 27. Most of these guys that are in their mid or early 20s on the Browns were junior higher before. They're watching right. him on TV. When they see him in the huddle, Jerome Ford mentioned this. I had it in my story. He's so calm and and he doesn't get rattled. And they're, you know, you can tell these guys are probably a little antsy, and that calms everybody down. I think Stefanski can, but he's on the sidelines. Here you got a guy in the huddle, and he's been there, he's done that, and they have confidence that he can put it together. And you know, you saw. You talked about the defense. I give all the credit really to the defense the other day for for allowing the Browns to hang around and be there. You can throw out the 17 points, in my opinion. One was the pick six by Flacco, and the other one might as well been a pick six because right. they returned it to the one-yard line. It still took the Bears four plays to get one yard for a touchdown 
And by the way, they called three penalties on the Browns as well. And so they still, you know, were, were scratching and clawing to keep them out of the end zone. So take away them 14 points. The Bears had one drive of 47 yards and they got a field goal. It really was uh, not a shutout, but near a shutout. And that's what allowed the Browns to be in the game. I mean, if the defense doesn't play that way, shorthanded, they have no chance to come, you know, from any further than they did to come back. And so I still say if the defense can continue to play the way they have and give the offense a chance, I think the offense will get better the more Flacco plays, you would think. Mm-hmm. And and so that bodes well. You know, you hope you can get Thornhill back. Maybe you can get Delpit back in the playoffs. Maybe Okoronkwo. They're still holding out hope for him. But you still have your front four in the defensive line. And it's allowing guys like Alex Wright to step up and make plays and develop. And Isaiah McGuire and Ika and and these safeties, Ronnie Hickman and DeAnthony Bell, it's only Mm going to make you better depth-wise next year you know, or whatever. So it was good to see Denzel Ward out there and he came out unscathed. In fact, he practiced today full. And so, so last week he was on kind of a pitch count. I I expect he'll be back to normal. So, you know, if that, if they can get a little more healthy on defense and get a couple guys on offense, you know, anything can happen, but it, they're in a position we've done this for so long to be nine and five with three games to go. I mean, there's no guarantee that next year, if you're completely healthy, that you'd be nine and five at Mm. this point, just because that's how the NFL is. So you really have to seize this opportunity. And I think the door's open to go down and beat Houston. A couple weeks ago, I I thought this was going to be a game you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And it still could be a game you lose. But you have the opportunity to not sit around and wait and hope other teams lose. Go down there and win the game, get to 10 wins, and you pretty much coast coast into the playoffs, in my opinion. So, Because you get a lot of the tiebreakers with this win. So it's interesting, Case Keenum. Right now, they're talking about him being the starter. And you talked about Flacco's end of the game. Case Keenum had the same thing. His statistics for three and a half quarters were terrible the other day, but then he put it together in, at the end to win the game, even though it wasn't nearly like Flacco's. He did mm-hmm. enough to get the job done for him. And so, right. you know, it, it, it'll it be interesting, you know, on the Keenum thing. First of all, I don't, I don't totally believe that CJ Stroud's not going to play. I don't know how they know. That, that his concussion is that severe because unless it's different than around here, nobody really ever tells you anything about the concussion. You know, Marquise Goodwin's out like five weeks. Next guy's out and he plays the next week. And they never yeah. really explain anything. Maybe they do somewhere else, but they keep, they keep alluding to the fact that, that Stroud wouldn't play. But if Keenum does play, think about this. Kevin Stefanski was with him. In Minnesota, he had the best year of his career, took him to the NFC championship game, I think, after Sam Bradford got hurt. Stefanski brought him here as the backup for a couple years. 
and that that year when it was prime to play him, Baker Mayfield, we all know, dislocated shoulder, separated, whatever. But week after week, Mayfield played, and Keenum was getting paid $7 million, and he chose to never play him. And he said every week he felt like Mayfield gave him the best chance to win. So I have to think, you know, Keenum's been to Buffalo, and now to, so he's two, three years you know, out of even that. So I just right. think that's a prime opportunity for the Browns if he's the quarterback this week. That's, uh, you know, I I, uh, <laughs> I want to start getting to some of the questions. I've starred 11 different questions so far, and, and please keep them coming. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you one thing before uh, I talk about something else. Um, Browns are, are, are very likely to face Keenum. Uh, Stroud, they say, is showing some symptoms of the concussion still, which is why they're so so negative about it. Um, but uh, uh, they're likely to face Keenum, Zach Wilson, and Jake Browning in their final three games. So uh, I'll let you call your shot right now. Do you think the Browns have a chance to go 12-5 and five this season, Fred? I do. Um, they're... I predicted 11 and six before the season when we were looking at a full roster and I certainly wouldn't have seen this coming if I would have had to have a do over after the major injuries. But with Mm -hmm. that said, yes. I mean, unless the Browns are playing for like the AFC North, if that's still in play in a home game and they have clinched before, they win this week and they beat the Jets, they very well will clinch. They may rest people if the Bengals game doesn't mean anything for them. That's the trend. Right. Um, but, oh, I think I, I, I felt like they would get to the playoffs. And I, in my stories that I've been writing every week, even with a loss on the road, you know, to the Texans, that Jacksonville game was big, but even with a loss to the Texans, if you just won at home, and I meant the Bears and the Jets. Now, they've already beaten the Bears. So the Jets, to me, it's all on the line there. I mean, you can you can get to 11 wins, granted, if you won this week. If Even if you lose this week, I still think then you can get to 10 wins with the Jets and then Cincinnati. Yeah, all three of them. I mean, at the beginning of the year, a lot of us thought it would come down to those two games against Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrow, maybe to get Mm -hmm. into the playoffs. Now all these teams involved are playing backup quarterbacks. And so it's – but, yeah, I mean, I think it's realistic they can go 12 in mind. I wouldn't mind if they lost one somewhere or 11 and six. I hate to – you almost hate to be winning, what, five games in a row going into the playoffs. I mean, unless you're really playing well because yeah, you're just down. Um, so I'd be I'd be happy with two out of three, to be honest, especially yeah. if it meant you could get some guys healthy, you know, and not risk. Because this team cannot afford any more injuries. Yeah, you know, they, they certainly sure. cannot. They certainly cannot. But, yeah, that, that would be a real kick. You know, if the if the Browns were able to get there, um, but uh, you know, against some of these backup quarterbacks, there's a breakout of uh, concern in the chat. 
uh, led by Ian Bitt about uh, Cincinnati on the road. And I think that's legitimate, especially with uh, uh, their defensive line against our banged up offensive line. But uh, we'll worry about that when we get there. Just keep winning. You know, uh, I'll check out Jack's rooting guide each week. And uh, I won't get involved in all the mathematics of uh, how they can clinch this week uh, and all that sort of stuff. Just keep winning. It's a long uh, list. I put it in my store. I didn't write it out. There's like ties have to happen. And, (laughs) you know, I'd be interested to see how Jack spins it on the Colts because there's there's certain scenarios the Colts winning helps the Browns and certain scenarios the Colts losing helps the Browns depending yeah. on what you're going for or what happens so it's like get it get a little more settled just get it to next week where it's if you this happens you're in this happens you're not you know or whatever right. <laughs> it's beyond me but yeah it's I uh, if you yeah, win I, I think that is the simplest formula but yeah. When you talk about the Bengals, I will say DJ Reader is a, that's kind of, now that's not like losing Miles Garrett, but for them, that's, that's right there. I mean, he's their run stopping force inside, you know, and Mm -hmm. and Jamar Chase isn't playing, you know, this week or next week. And if that's the case, you know, maybe he's done too. So not worried about that. You want to go one and zero, and then I think everything's taken care of. I really think if you go down and beat Houston, everything's going to be taken care of. Yeah, absolutely. Just go down and win in Houston. We'll let everything else take care of itself. Uh, it is the um, Christmas season, and uh, E. Gillen has just gone with five gifted subs. So thank you, sir, for gifting the subs in the Twitch channel. Um, speaking of the holiday season, Fred. I think that there is one holiday stereotype that I would like to burst right now, uh, and that is the notion that all fat guys are jolly. Uh, that is not, in fact, the case. I am living proof of that. Uh, this time of the year, uh, speaking as a fat guy, I am not jolly all the time. I'm, I'm hassled and harried quite a great deal of the time uh, trying to get ready for Christmas. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was hanging out being my normal grumpy self uh, in December, and uh, I got a package, uh, and in that package, I opened it up, and uh, in there was uh, a hat, which I'm wearing right now, and a uh, Trust the OBR shirt, and another shirt, and there was a nice little note in there, and uh, I just have to say, opening that up, and seeing the stuff in the note, uh, I felt good, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. You know, and it made me feel good. And uh, it's one of those things that you don't quite expect. uh, And it uh, leaves you with a positive feeling about the people who sent it to you. And in this case, it was somebody I was doing business with. Uh, We call him Philly. Uh, He's uh, OG Philly here. uh, Philly ASC in the forums or Scott Fillinger, if you want to use his uh, full name. Um, And... uh, it 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 really provides a sense of uh, a good feeling between you and somebody you're doing business with to get a gift like that. And isn't that really what you want? Uh, you really want a uh, uh, that sense that you're comfortable doing business with someone, and that's really what Scott helps you achieve with your customers. 
whether you're a small business or a Fortune 500 company, uh, you want your customers to feel good about you. And the type of stuff that Philly does with his branded gear, the logo gear, that sort of stuff, uh, and the careful attention to customers is exactly the sort of feeling you want to inspire in your customers. So give him a call. Uh, he'll take care of you. Obviously a great guy to do business with. And uh, that's all I got to say about that. And so with that, we're going to get on to questions uh, that uh, we have from uh, our gang here. And please feel free to uh, fire up the uh, fire up more questions on uh, in the chat room, and we will get to them. Uh, first one we got listed here, Fred from Drew and Brick City. Uh, are there any free agents you can see coming in to fill all the gaps that we have in the uh, uh, in the lineup at this point? I assume he's talking about this season with three weeks to go. I believe um, that that's what he's asking. Yeah, I know they put in a claim for it was a guy he went to, they might even play him this week, Tier Tart. I think that's how you say it that was mm. waived by the Titans and right. the Texans picked him up. Yes. He might even play this week. Um I saw Justin Houston ask for or he was waived. You know, be interesting to see if the Browns put in a claim for him. I mean, being thin on the defensive line, some of those veterans, they can pick where they want to go and, and said that they wanted to go to a contender. Uh, I saw Sue uh, worked out with the Dolphins right. today. I mean, if it's somebody like that, that they can basically show up and go out and play, but I don't know too many household names. I get a lot of questions about offensive linemen. A lot of people haven't noticed, but they've been stockpiling guys on the practice squad. They they signed like three offensive tackles or mm -hmm. have on the practice squad. And then they got that Leroy Watson. He's actually on the roster. And, you know, they got a guy named Fisher last week and Justin right. Murray a couple weeks ago. I don't know where else, you know, what you can get out there. Um, you know, I don't know if there's Joe Flacco's of other positions there, but, you know, think about, you know, where the team is. I, I don't, I don't think they feel like they've got a plethora of defensive ends. You see Zedaria Smith constantly hobbling off. He seems to play you know, each week. Um, yeah, JPP could be one, but I, I don't know what they think about them. I mean, it comes down to opportunity. It comes down to money. You know, some of these guys want to go where they want to go. I know Houston played for the Ravens last year. You know, he might want to go there. Right. So if nobody claimed them, that probably means they didn't want to pay them their current contract. And... Who knows? But I think they're always looking. I don't know if they'll add somebody that's a household name. They signed what, Chris Williams, a defensive tackle, to the practice squad. So they they look at more as depth than, than maybe frontline players. I mean, at this point in the season, who knows? Right, right. And they've been in a position with some of these players where they've been able to keep them on the roster. You know, De'Anthony Bell 
you know, for a couple of years and, and grow him, you know, in, in their system and, uh, you know, without having necessarily to go outside the team, you know, for depth. Um, let's go to next. Uh, I briefly put the question up there. Uh, and this comes from chat username. He asked, will we get any new players in prep for a possible postseason? Sort of the same question we asked before, but let me turn that around a little bit in terms of getting players back from the IR. Now, Grant Delpit is a name that we've heard is possibly being able to return from the IR in time for the postseason. Is there anybody else that you can think of that we might be able to get back in, in time for the postseason, Fred? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okoronkwo. I mean, if you thought he'd be back, you know, healing on his own, you wouldn't have put him on injury reserve. I mean, or I mean, you would have put him on injury reserve if it was a four week injury and thought he could get back for the playoffs. They've chosen to not put him on injury reserve. So that's taking up a roster spot. So I would think they're just hoping he could play. Maybe before the regulars, if they don't need him, they won't use him. But I don't know why they didn't put him on IR, to be honest. And Delpit, you know, there was when when Jed Wills was injured, they didn't put him on injury reserve, or they put him on IR, but they said he'd be back probably in four to six weeks, which it was a four to six week injury, and then you know he's eligible to come off, and they say, ah, never mind, he's he's done for the year. So, you know, I don't know what really would dope it. I mean, they say that, but everybody just throws out weeks, you know, like magically I'll be healed in three weeks, magically in four weeks. All they're doing is just the typical timeline. And who knows, who knows if in four weeks he'll be able to run at the same speed that he did before the injury. Right. Right. If he can't, he won't be activated. So, yeah, I mean, I would say those are the, the only two that come to my mind right off. I mean, on all these guys were called season-ending injuries mm-hmm. that were put on IR, but I don't know if a Jacob Phillips is healed up, you know, that went on it in preseason. Um, Jack Conklin, you know, those were all – long-term injuries. So, you know, there is really no sing- season-ending injury reserve. 
it's four weeks. That's how Aaron Rodgers was able to possibly right. come back because even though they said he's on season ending injury reserve, after the four weeks, you could activate somebody. So I don't have the list in front of me of guys that are on injury reserve, but off the top of my head, you know, I would think it'd be Delpit and, you know, Okoronkwo would be your best hopes. It seemed like, didn't TJ Watt have a torn peck and, and last year and he didn't have surgery and he got back. I don't remember if it was six weeks, five weeks, four weeks or what. Somebody probably mm-hmm. knows. But, I mean, that's the only thing I think they're holding out for. Maybe they're just trying to see how he feels. And knowing that if he has to have surgery, you know, the worst thing is he he feels fine and he plays and then he gets it at the end of the season. I don't know. Right, right. Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, SM Lohman, uh, apparently an athletic subscriber, says, did he read Zach Jackson's lobby for a Stefanski Coach of the Year vote? Uh, I did not, but I'm pretty sure I linked it in the newswire. And he asked for our thoughts on Stefanski's Coach of the Year. This is a subject we've talked about a few times. Pete Smith uh, wrote an article on it today, basically saying that the winner of the uh, Texans-Browns uh, game, wh- whichever coach that is, deserves the Coach of the Year award. Uh, what about you, Fred? Um, I know we've talked about it before, but uh, did last week's win strengthen Stefanski's case for Coach of the Year, in your opinion? Well, I, I don't know if just last week. I, I really think these three games have a way to really will weight it. Um, you know, if Houston overcomes Stroud being out and gets in the playoffs, you know, that would that would be – I mean, first of all, I never really expected the Texans to do – I thought that was a rebuilding team this year, and I thought when I first saw the schedule, that was probably a pretty sure Browns win. Um, and so I have to think he has a lot of credibility in, in getting that vote. So does Sean Steichen over in the Colts. Again, I thought Mm -hmm. they were kind of rebuilding with a rookie quarterback. Then they lost that quarterback and they're right in the thick of things. Ironically, the Browns kind of were gifted a win there. And if you didn't have that win now, this would be a, a big different, you know, scenario in the playoffs. Right. And, but Stefanski, I mean, I look at it as similar to the COVID year, you know, you'd get to this point in the week, think you got something. Then we'd get a little email saying, oh, by the way, these five guys are out because they got COVID. I I could, every day we got email and I don't know how the coaching staff was able to do that, knowing if they were going to get somebody or not have them, but it's kind of been that way to some degree. And I think Stefanski, again, he thrives in this kind of chaos with his mm-hmm. even keel demeanor. He get he's frustrating to the media and he's frustrating to the fans that he talks in a monotone and he doesn't give you any information. But it does help in these situations that it really is next game, one game at a time. Let's not worry about what who we have, who we don't have. Let's just focus on what we do have and go play the game. So I think he'll get strong consideration for coach of the year. Um, 
but again, I think these final three games would make a big impact. I mean, if you went 11 and six, I think, yes. You know, if you lose the three games and don't make the playoffs, then I say no. So I think it's still be determined, but there's a strong case. And, and I might be missing guys. There's other coaches around that have done a good job as well, but I just compared, he was coach of the year in his first year with the COVID year. Mm. And I, I, I think he's doing more with less this year, to be honest. I mean, they got good talent, but they've had to overcome a lot more injuries than they did that year. They've really had to adapt on the fly this year because of everything that's happened during the course of the year. And so I'm going to take that question and uh, we'll drill down on it a little bit here with uh, Philly's question about, you know, maybe seeing the human being under the robot a little bit more these days with Stefanski. Um, you talked about him in Greenbrier sort of, you know, letting his personality show a little bit more. Um, uh, are, are you starting to see, you know, maybe not in the press conferences, but in some of the sideline activities and things like that, are you starting to see a little bit more of that Stefanski, um, you know, in his, uh, in the post-game speeches and things like that uh, that you saw in Greenbrier? Well, a little bit. I mean, the, the Browns social media has, you know, they kind of have access behind the scenes. I saw a clip. Yeah. I think it was before the game when he went up to the refs and they said he looked kind of like, you know, the empire or, or Obi-Wan Kenobi, or I guess it was something because <laughs> he had the hood on and his beard. The ref said that and he goes, well, let's hope that my, I don't know, his powers, the force, you know, is ready for today's game. And, you know, I think that's him. I think that's how he is. The players say that. We don't get it much in the press conference. He'll have a quip now or then for for somebody. He said to one of the reporters something about, you know, jumping. He said, well, I can't jump like you and or you can't jump like them and, you know, things like that. But as far as when he's talking about his own players or anything, he doesn't say mm. much. He did say something a couple of weeks ago about Walker. Anthony Walker um, ordered DoorDash when they were in L.A. And I got the idea that he got food poisoning because um, he didn't practice. If you remember, there was a day out there and he came down on the injury report as ill and didn't practice. Right. I don't know if that's accurate, but he said, yeah, I don't know. It was the same time as Walker got the Ed Courage Block Award, you know, for right. being like you know, overcoming and the comeback player of the year, stuff like that. And he goes, well, I don't know if ordering oysters on DoorDash, you know, qualifies for getting the comeback of the year, but congratulations to him, you know, or something. So, yeah, he's, I think he's naturally, he's been here now four years. So I think he really realizes most of the media are Cleveland natives and, Mm -hmm. You know, our, our Browns reporters, because they grew up here, fans of the Browns, and we're not out to get them or, or the Browns. We want them to do well for the most part. You try to be objective and be fair. And I just think that's, you know, when he when he's Kevin Stefanski, head coach of the Cleveland Browns, he's a little bit of a different person than he is 
when he finishes and he makes a joke, leaving the room or this and that. And so I think it will get better going forward, but he is, he is pretty stiff in his personality. I mean, when I see him in the hallway once in a while, he always says hi and how you doing? And you know, where other coaches kind of act like they don't even see it because they don't want to even acknowledge you exist. So, right. Right. Weird. Um, all right. So uh, we got a number of different uh, questions left. But one thing I do want to ask you about a little bit regarding Stefanski is he he went out and really lobbied for Garrett to get Defensive Player of the Year, it seems like to me, uh, this week, at least from reading the press accounts, which was a little bit unusual for him. I, you know, to, to get that effusive about a player really pushing for him to get consideration uh, for that sort of an award. Uh, was that surprising at all to you that he went out and sort of said, you know, it should be my guy who gets this award? Or uh, was that more unfitting with, uh, uh, with his tendencies in your view? I don't know. I, I think that was, he made it a point because he turned the question, anything about Miles into that. Mm-hmm. And I applaud him for doing that. I think, didn't Mike Tomlin do that with TJ Watt a week or so ago and said he's the best player on the planet, something to that effect. And I think, you know, the question was about not getting any calls again, even after he got fined and spoke out. And I think that you got your best player out there. And I think that gets you some brownie points, you know, Mm -hmm. with him that he will, it helps him all the way around. But I do think that he was sincere. He's looking at the film and he's seeing, you know, even Jake Burns, some of the guys, Baldinger, I think today did a clip, a montage of, of the tension that they were, putting on Garrett, double, triple teaming. And these guys are literally doing everything they can to stop him, legal or illegal. And I think Stefanski was really honest, being that it's frustrating for everybody because that that would end drives if they just called a holding, you know, that as much as a sack. And he also wanted to get it out there, and I agree with this. We're so infatuated on sacks that you don't see what else you can look, you know, that game with the Rams. I I don't think Garrett had any stats and yet Mm -hmm. Sean McVay said he spent the whole week up at night worried about Garrett. They put so much attention on him. Well, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you put the whole team on the guy, they probably won't have any stats or sacks. And so do you get any credit for that? No, but Defensive player of the year, that kind of stuff, always seems to be who has the most sacks. And I get that's a big part of it, but I I do get that there's a lot more to it than that. If you're taking up two or three blockers and Shelby Harris is getting a sack or Zadarius Mm -hmm. Smith or Jordan Elliott or Dalvin Tomlinson or or any number of things, that, that makes a big difference as well. So I think that it was something that was true in how Stefanski felt, but I also think that he also was showing that he's a hundred percent behind miles Garrett and, and thinks that, you know, he's been wronged and, 
And a lot of people say, well, geez, he hasn't had a sack in four weeks. He's not doing anything. You know, he had a six-yard tackle for a loss. That's like a sack, you know, on a running play. But you don't get any credit for that. He had a sack right. on that big two-point conversion right. the week before but, against Jacksonville. But you don't get credit for that. So right. I think that was just Stefanski getting up there and going to bat for his players. Right, absolutely. And, you know, at some point you have to take into account the overall success of the defense, right? This Browns defense is a record-setting defense. Uh, Jake Burns is going to have a story on this tomorrow about some just mind-blowing statistics about this defense as a whole. And this defense pivots around Garrett. And so while you've got three people defending Garrett, you're creating all these opportunities elsewhere for this defense that they're obviously taking advantage of. And, you know, that's how you measure success. How is the entire unit doing? You know, not how many sacks did JT Watt get or Watt get, uh, you know, uh, as people were preoccupied elsewhere. Um, I don't know. But uh, well, I that's a good point. That there's, yeah, that's a good point. And I'll say what I wrote about last year, I've been doing it in the off season for a couple of years or so is that you got to get somebody on the other side, you know, obviously you probably won't get somebody as good as miles Garrett, but to take the pressure off him, you had it with Clowney that one year, but he didn't really, you know, respond the second year, but that's what you need. And you're seeing it now because the defense overall has been upgraded so much with the talent that they can put the focus on Garrett, but those other guys will destroy you. I mean, Okoronkwa mm -hmm. was having a, a really good year until he got hurt. And everybody's feeding off of off of the attention on Garrett. And, you know, so far they just continue to put all their attention on Garrett and take their chances with the other guys. And in the meantime, they go three and out eight times. The Bears did. Durham Brick City said he noticed that uh, Flacco was limited in practice due to a calf and just wants reassurance that that's not serious. I hadn't heard anything about that, Fred. He's on the injury report. Um, like I said, they did not practice today. So today is just an estimate. They just have to write down and report what would have happened if they would have had practice. And nothing was mentioned. We talked to him. I didn't see anything wrap on his knee or on his calf, but on the injury report that came out about four o'clock, I put it in my story. It said Joe Flacco limited calf injury. So tomorrow we'd be back out on the field and we can watch, but mm -hmm. I would think something would have been said, but yeah. They don't they don't bring up anything and that's why we go to the 20 minutes even though we don't really want to to see who's actually on the field and what they're doing. If you remember when it right. started with Deshaun Watson, he wasn't even on the practice injury report and we noticed he wasn't throwing. He was just kind of pretending, but he never threw the balls. Oh, he's just he's just resting his arm. Oh, okay. Well then that we all know what happened there. <laughs> right. So yeah, hopefully with Cavs and Joe Burrow and stuff, especially with a 38, 39-year-old guy, you, you don't want, you know, something more with that. But we'll have to keep an eye on it. Yep, absolutely. I like bread and butter, right? Saying says, what do you think of Jerome Ford's, Jerome Ford's patience and performance 
on zone runs, he seems to get a lot of tackles for loss. At least that's how I'm reading that abbreviation. Uh, what's the thought on Jerome Ford? Yeah, he seems to be feast or famine. You know, it seems like he'll have a, a big run north and south, but then he gets a lot of tackles for losses, and you don't know if it's his fault, the line's fault. But I remember mm. that Colts game. It was like the first play of the game. He, he had like a 77-yard run right. or something, and he finished with 73 yards. <laughs> you wonder, how in the world does that happen? You know, but he does seem to get a lot of tackles for loss. I want these guys to run more north and south. I mean, it seems like Kareem Hunt does the most north and south, but he doesn't seem to have the explosion, you know, that afford. <clears throat> Strong seems to have almost uh, the quickest explosion. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it's the second, third team lineman or if it's the running back or what, but their longest run last week was nine yards and that was by Ford. So mm -hmm. that's concerning going forward because you're going to have to, to at least have some semblance of a running game. You know, if you're going to keep playing, you know, into the playoffs. All right. Uh, let's go to this question from Ty Sox. Ty Sox asks, do you attribute Joe's success to his experience or Kevin Stefanski developing a game plan to play to his strengths? Well, I think there's a little bit of both, but um, I mean, obviously they're playing to his strengths, the play action pass and, and the deep ball using his arm vertically to stretch the field, which you would think that could help in the running game. I mean, we've heard about the Marquise Goodwin signing all off season. We saw it in preseason, but then they tried it a couple of times. Flacco's the first guy to actually get it done. Let him run the fly pattern, throw it right there, 57 yards. So that you put that on tape, that stretches the field. Now, if you put in Goodwin, they got to pay attention. And you would think that would open up underneath to the, you know, to Najoku or Cooper or Moore or anybody else, you know, running underneath the crossing. So, you know, I think it is playing to his strengths, but I do think some of the stuff you just can't teach. I mean, Flacco has been through this enough where it's just, he said that throw to Cooper, he didn't even think, he just did it. Well, when you look, you're like, how in the world did that get through there? There's like three guys, and it was just a matter of because they rolled a little bit to the right. He said if he would have stayed where he was, there wouldn't have been any chance for a mm -hmm. touchdown. It might have been completed, but they would have had the safety or somebody on the sideline there. So, yeah, it's uh, I think his experience plays in. You know, he mentioned today, you know, he says, I'm human. You know, I'm going to make mistakes, and we saw that. You know, you saw three interceptions, costly interceptions, and you saw sometimes when he looked like a statue and he they'd send a blitz and he just bent over and took it, you know, it's like got sacked. Mm -hmm. So um, you just got to live and die, you know, with some of those things. He, I mean, there's a reason he's the fourth quarterback for the team. I mean, to, to see what he's done has been astonishing. And you just hope that, he can do it a few more weeks, maybe another month or so. 
All right, we've got two more questions we're going to get through here. Uh, does it matter? Asks, uh, what, what the, what's the backup to the backup plan to bolster the offensive line? Why isn't Alex Leatherwood progressing? Now, we've talked about Alex Leatherwood on this show a few times, and we just simply don't have a lot of information on him because it's been a while since uh, uh, the media's got a shot at Bill Callahan, right? I did find out he had been injured. So injured practice squad is a different animal. You don't even know they're on that Ty Naseki, who is another veteran, a 37-year-old mm -hmm. that played again. He's on the the practice squad injured with a bicep injury. So you don't even oh, know. Um, that's why he hasn't didn't come up. He, if you remember, he was like the first one brought up. But right. um, the Leatherwood thing, they brought him right in to begin with on the practice squad. They never have activated him. Now, like I said, he did have an injury at some point. I don't know if he's healthy now. But no other team really has signed him or wanted him. They chose to sign like Leroy Watson off the 49ers practice squad and sign some other guys that they brought in to play, Garen Christian. So all I can think, they feel like there's enough talent to keep around but not enough to put in the game. So the backup plan of the backup plan is pretty much guys on the team or on the roster now. I mean, yeah. they have Michael Dunn, Luke Whippler, Nick Harris. Those are your primary inside guys. And then you have Leroy Watson, you know, as a backup tackle. And then the couple guys on the practice squad, there's like three tackles, Leatherwood, Murray, and Fisher. And, you know, at this point, who's out there? I mean, you know, I don't know if offensive line's a little different because you have to be here a little bit to learn the plays and so forth. But right. Garen Christian, what appealed to Bill Callahan was he had him with Washington and so he was able, he knew, he knew what Callahan's system was and came in right away and played. So I don't know how many guys are like that. So until you get to the off season, you have what you have. I mean, you don't yeah. go into a season planning to lose your top three tackles. And, you know, and the other thing, Hudson's playing and they drafted him with the idea that he would be kind of like a Dewan Jones, but I don't know if he's ever you know, got to that place. And so it is what it is. You know, you, you got to go with what you got. And you've got probably the best in the business coaching them up. So, uh, you know, you hope that works. Good question here from Fumble 13. He says, were you surprised with the success that running quarterbacks have had that fields didn't have more called runs? I, I was wondering that myself. Did the Browns scheme well for fields or was the, uh, Bears offensive coach just kind of stupid and not taking advantage of a well, you know, I the Browns. I thought the same thing because I thought that was the key to the game. You know, going in was keeping mm -hmm. him from running for a hundred yards and wrecking the game. And JOK, I think, did a good job, and some of the other guys. It almost seemed to me that Fields wanted two things. Either he was a little dinged up and just wanted to make sure he didn't take a hit or the coaches that drilled in him do not take a hit because you, you see him go down. Like 
as soon as there was a defender, he just kind of, and he didn't slide. He'd just kind of fall on his fall on face first. And on that critical fourth down play, I mean, I know Mitchell got credit for a great play by tripping him, but I, I just, the Justin Fields that played at Ohio state would have, would have outrun that guy with that angle, you know, and had, I think much more, a much easier time picking up the first down. So yeah, I just didn't seem to think that he was quite the same and it might've yeah. just been, maybe he's taking enough hits. He said, you know, I, I don't want any part of this anymore. And the coaches have drilled in him. Don't, don't take hits unnecessarily. And maybe he was just being too cautious, but I thought they would run more as well because he's their leading rusher going into yeah. that game. Yeah. Well, he's had a complicated history with the bears. That's for sure. But, uh, Still looks like a good quarterback to me, but you know, I'm a, I'm admittedly a Buckeye homer, so yeah, You're definitely, biased. definitely guilty as charged. Last question is: Are you going to feel when he's on the Steelers next year? I don't want to talk about it. It's going to be Baker Mayfield on the Steelers, and I don't know exactly how I'm going to feel about that. Uh, Paul Spencer, as he wraps up our show, he wants to know about some McBride Greetham Christmas traditions. Are there any Christmas traditions, Greetham Christmas traditions you want to share with our audience before we? Uh, well, as far as McBride Greetham, I don't think he's <laughs> ever invited me over, so I don't have any traditions <laughs> with Barry. But maybe you mean us. Um, our family just, you know, Christmas is big. There's a reason for the season, you know, of birth of Christ, and and uh, you know we get together. We're big on family and. We're going to have all our kids in town. The grandkids got three kids married and 10 grandkids, one coming from North Carolina and one from Southern Ohio and one from Akron. So we'll all be together. It'll be 18 of us. So that is usually a tradition. We find a time sometime, maybe not Christmas day, but on Christmas day, we pretty much stayed as ourselves. And so right now, that's me and my wife. So on Christmas Day, it's going to be my wife and myself. Mm. Those Greetham family photos are a sight to see. I mean, there is a large, uh, large number of human beings in those Greetham family photos. You are, you are blessed, my friend. McBride, uh, McBride Christmas traditions are, are are relatively mundane. We go to church, uh, we open up presents, we do all those things that everybody does, and. Uh, uh, I try to take uh, a little bit of the day off. I don't know if I'll do a newswire on uh, on Christmas or not. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Depends on when I wake up and when the when everybody else wakes up. But uh, uh, I hope that everybody out there has a wonderful holiday weekend. Uh, we will have Brad Ward and Fred uh, back here next Wednesday. Sort of a combination. All eyes on Cleveland OBR Weekly uh, next Wednesday. I will not be here. So you will get much better quality of questions and much better quality of hosting. But uh, until then, I will see you in a couple of weeks. Fred will see you next week. Thanks for hanging with us. I'm Barry McBride. He's Fred Breatham. We'll see you soon. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, everybody.